Hello everyone, I'm Jorge Fascinetti, and this is another exclusive podcast from Pituitary Warriors. Today we launch a new podcast series called Musings. These are short reflections and thoughts on issues that affect us all. Our objective is to serve up subjects that we hope you will participate in. As always, you can do so by sending us your comments and ideas to info at pituitaryworldnews.com or comment in our social media feeds. To muse about something is to contemplate and to reflect on a subject that is usually in someone's mind. Telemedicine, mostly because of the COVID-19 pandemic, has been in everyone's mind. In this podcast, Dr. Blevin muses about telemedicine, how his practice has adapted, his views on pros and cons, and how things may change in the future. We started reporting on telemedicine in April 2015 in an article where we asked our readers then to give us their opinion on new technologies. Telemedicine was one of those subjects, and many of you sent us your thoughts, so we added a link to that article from 2015. We encourage you to read more about telemedicine coverage by searching in our archives. Here's Dr. Blevins. This is Dr. Lewis Blevins podcasting from San Francisco. I wanted to talk to you today about telemedicine. As many of you know, we conduct telemedicine at UCSF. We've podcasted in, on this before and written articles. Uh, before the COVID-19 pandemic, probably about 10%, maybe 15% at most, of my practice uh, consisted of telemedicine visits. We were restricted to doing telemedicine to patients who live in California uh, because of some unusual laws that you can't practice medicine across state lines. Um, which never made sense to me. For example, I could have a patient who lived in Nevada and talk to them on the phone for 20 minutes, order laboratory studies, interpret those, change doses of medications, etc. And as long as they were an established patient, that wasn't practicing medicine across the state line. But if I did a video visit and did exactly the same thing, that was considered practicing medicine across state lines. So, you know, I don't understand lawmakers and laws uh, insurance regulations, etc. But uh, that was the status. Uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, that was eased. Uh, I think the president did an order that said that you could practice medicine across state lines uh, so patients didn't have to travel and so on. Uh, before COVID-19, most of my telemedicine visits were follow-up patients who were established with me, who'd seen me live. Uh, Since COVID-19, my practice has largely migrated to almost all patients are telemedicine now. Probably about 5% still come in. Maybe they have an appointment for an MRI that day or they don't use the computer or don't understand telemedicine or don't trust it. So we still see live visits and practice the COVID-19 required um, social distancing, masks, sanitization, etc., so I think it's safe to come in for a visit, but probably 95% of the visits are, are telemedicine. Furthermore, uh, we are now doing a large number of new patient visits on patients who have 
been newly diagnosed and need ongoing uh, need to establish care and have ongoing care uh, for their pituitary disorders. And I'm still doing the follow-up visits, uh, but uh, we're now doing patients uh, from basically everywhere in the United States, uh, both new and return. Uh, so with that said, I'm able to see patients from anywhere in the United States. So if you want a consultation or a second opinion, feel free to notify us and uh, we can uh, try to make the arrangements uh, for a consultation. That's not the purpose of this podcast. I, I wanted to talk about telemedicine and how it's different from uh, what we might refer to as in-person medicine. <clears throat> the basics are still there. I mean, we have a doctor and a patient who have a relationship, so the doctor-patient relationship has just changed a bit. Uh, it's still there. The responsibilities of the patient for the relationship and the responsibilities for the doctor are the same. Uh, we have to communicate. We have to interact. There has to be an exchange of information. There has to be uh, insight that leads to a diagnosis uh, and establishment of a treatment plan. And uh, the physician and patient have to devise that plan together and buy in uh, and accomplish the goal of treatment to take care of the disease state. Um, and I think, I think all of that's the same. Um, what's missing is that uh, the examination has become a visual one. So sometimes we have patients show us stuff uh, with their camera, like uh, striae or hair growth or whatever. Uh, we can't touch and we can't palpate, we can't feel. So I look at people's neck for enlargement of the thyroid, for example, but I can't feel their thyroid if I choose to try to do so because it looks enlarged. Um, so the exam is somewhat limited, but we can still get a lot of things done and meet most of the criteria set forth by Medicare and Medicaid for what constitutes an exam just by doing a visual inspection. Fortunately, in our practice, we don't have to feel the pulse wave like a cardiologist would or look at the venous distension. We can look for features of acromegaly or Cushing syndrome uh, or what have you on visual inspection. So we can still secure a diagnosis, if you will, and see positive changes over time through our visual inspection. One of the things that's uh, a little bit different about telemedicine is, at least for me, I'm a little bit different than a lot of docs, is I like to play discovery. So those of you who've seen me know that sometimes I'll come into the office to see you and I won't know much about you because I like to discover for myself. I like to ask the questions. I like to review the history. I like to look at the labs in front of my patients. I like to look at the MRI for the first time in front of my patients. And it's sort of the discovery together. I like to look at the MRI at the right time and the labs at the right time and ask the right questions based on the labs, etc. cetera. Uh, but that's not possible as, as easily with telemedicine. So what I find that I'm doing now is most of my legwork before I even sign on to talk to the patient via telemedicine or telephone, whatever the case may be. So that uh, by the time I start a new patient visit, I've already read the chart uh, and what the other physicians have thought. I don't like to do that because I don't want to be biased by any other physician's assessment of a patient. I want to be able to give my assessment based on my laboratory studies and not what one, two, three, or four endocrinologists have said. 
about the patient because people are seeking my opinion, so I don't want a foundation of that to be based on someone else's opinion. I might agree with something another doctor has said, but I really want to try to give my opinion. But with telemedicine, I'm reading the notes, or at least some of the notes, uh, to sort of get some of the history that I'll usually try to confirm with the patient. And sometimes there are large gaps that I need to fill those in, and sometimes the histories are excellent. Um, one of the things that's useful is if a patient sends their own history in advance. I had headaches starting so long ago, and then my vision became abnormal, for example. It's always useful if the patient provides that history in advance. And it complements what we can read in the chart. Because oftentimes physicians don't document exactly what the patient told them. Uh, and uh, especially physicians who uh, don't have the clinical knowledge and expertise regarding pituitary adenomas. So I, I look at those things. I appreciate that patient history as well. But I've also looked at the MRI and compared to prior MRI studies and uh, looked at uh, all of the laboratory data. And um, doing these things eliminates a lot of the questions. So sometimes when a pa new patient logs on, I'm ready to tell them what I think they should do. I like to talk to them, get to know them, you know, where they live, what's their lifestyle like, what's their uh, hobbies, etc., um, and to confirm parts of the history, ask any additional lingering questions that need to be asked. But most of the time, you know, having done this for 30 years, I've pretty much developed an idea in my mind as to what's going on and what needs to be done, and that's that's where telemedicine's different, uh, and having to do the work before the visit is different than uh, sort of discovering with a patient in the office. And I miss that discovery phase, but at the, on, the, on the other hand, I do enjoy the opportunity to be able to confidently address with the patient and spend our time talking about diagnosis and what it means and treatment options. So that's, uh, that's another different thing, is that uh, there's more time for that than the usual visit. So it's interesting how um, patients react and respond to this information. I have a number of patients who appreciate the fact that I've done all that leg work in advance because, and, and it's almost impossible to do it when you have a clinic full of people. Uh, it's different than, than uh, telemedicine where you build time into the telemedicine schedule to do this work in advance. But patients seem to appreciate the opportunity to focus on the diagnosis and the treatment and time to ask a lot of questions. So I'm not saying that the telemedicine uh, and the, the need to have to do all the work before the visit is better or worse, it's just different. And I think that patients have more time uh, on telemedicine to uh, have specific questions answered and to hear about the diagnosis and think of new questions if we've done all of that work in advance of the visit. Having this experience might actually change the way I see patients live once we start going back to live visits. Uh, but um, <clears throat> for now, it is what it is, and that's what we have to deal with. I'm looking forward to getting back to live visits because I like to see people. As some of you know, I like to hug people, I like to shake hands, I like to have good eye contact with people. And I don't, I don't feel that we have good eye contact when... You're looking at the video screen, and I'm looking at the video screen. 
but neither of us are looking into the camera. So, uh, but that's that's sort of an odd, odd thing um, in this day and age. Um, I was thinking uh, yesterday and having a discussion uh, with my uh, girlfriend, and we were noticing that as people are wearing masks. You look more at people's eyes to sort of read their expressions and their emotions, um, and you, you can tell who's smiling by looking at their eyes. And I think that uh, this COVID-19 pandemic and wearing masks outdoors and communicating with people, whether you're at the grocery store or, or a restaurant or wherever, is forcing us to look at one another's eyes again. And I've noticed this lack of that when we're looking at computer screens because we're not looking into a camera when we're doing telemedicine. So it's very odd and interesting, and I'm hoping that this pandemic will be over very soon just so that we can get back to our usual social interactions because I think that's the fabric of uh, being a human being and these social interactions being looking at one another and lip reading if you lip read, looking at eyes if you eye read, uh, to sort of interact the way that we've been programmed for however many years we've been alive. So these are just some random thoughts. Uh, I'll conclude by saying that uh, as you prepare for a telemedicine visit or probably any other Zoom visit that you might have, just understand how things are different, not only for you, but also your physician or whomever else you're meeting with. Uh, and um, be prepared uh, with uh, regards to your medical history. Try to send it in advance just to save time and be able to have more time to talk about diagnosis and treatment. Um, and um, make sure that your physician has your MRI films, not, not just the reports, uh, and all of the laboratory studies. And if they've requested laboratory studies in advance of your visit, try to make sure that you get those done uh, with a sufficient lead time so that all of the results are available at the time of your visit. And uh, write your questions down. And as you're hearing from your provider about diagnosis or treatment, jot questions down. Have a pen and a piece of paper ready so that you can do that while you're listening. Um, and uh, lastly of all, take good care of yourselves, practice social distancing, wear masks, use a hand sanitizer, and uh, try to stay out of harm's way. Uh, once again, Dr. Lewis Blevins, podcasting from San Francisco for Pituitary World News. Have a lovely rest of your day. another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. Thank you for listening.